Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, April 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. With the 58th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select... Okay, it doesn't have the same ring to it as, say, a single-digit number, but that's a good thing for the Chiefs. It means they traded out of the first round to the Baltimore Ravens to land their left tackle in Orlando Brown Jr. So unless the Chiefs trade back into the first round, Thursday they will sit on the sideline and watch others go to work. Still, there's plenty to discuss about the Chiefs in the draft, and we're doing it on today's show with star columnist Sam Mellinger and beat writer Sam McDowell. We talk about who might be available when the Chiefs draft in the second round. They have two picks in that round, by the way. Will there be a surprise player available to them? What's been the team's recent success in the early rounds? And we'll get some final thoughts on the Orlando Brown trade. So, a lot to get to. Let's get started on Sportsbeat KC. Hey, good morning from Kansas City, and welcome to Sportsbeat Live, a special Chiefs edition. We're talking Chiefs and the NFL Draft today with the folks that know them oh so well. Um, Sam McDowell is here. Sam, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Blair. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, Sam has been uh, been battling a little bit of a bug. He's playing hurt. <laughs> we really appreciate you. You being here today, uh, we think Sam uh, Mellinger is going to join us at some point. Uh, looking forward to having Sam on with us as well. It's been a busy week for Melly. He was on the Sports Beat Live with the Royals yesterday, and uh, we want to switch teams and talk Chiefs today. Hey, before we get started, a shout out to our sponsor, the University of Kansas Medical System. It is great to have them on board. So. Well, Sam, while we uh, while we wait for for Melly, uh, I want to chat with you about a story that is a that, that you've written that appears online on KansasCity.com. You know, this is the time of year for mock drafts, right? We're two days before the NFL draft, the first round of the NFL draft. It's on Thursday. Um, the Chiefs do not, as we know, do not have a pick in the, in the first round because of the trade for Orlando Brown Jr. However, um, of, of the millions of mock drafts that are out there for fans to, to look at, and heck, we contribute to that uh, to that barge with uh, Herbie Teope. I think he's done four mock drafts with a different <laughs> pick in uh, first pick for the Chiefs in each one, and, the, and, and they all included a first-round pick. Of course, they were all written before before the Orlando Brown trade. But as as we learned talking to Brett Veach, uh, the Chiefs do mock drafts. And that's part of their exercise as well. I, I found that to be pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I think that came uh, in the last question in his press conference. And it's, uh, you know, they, they, they do it because you know, it's, it's it's so unpredictable that one wild card in the draft in the first round can sort of throw off the whole thing. Um, so they try and throw those wild cards in there. But Brett Beach also say, look, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and when you're picking at 31, it's uh, it's so unpredictable, the, the first 30 picks and, and what's going to be left when you're there. And now even more so. I mean, now their first pick isn't to 58. And so I, I think that they probably have a pretty good idea of what pocket of maybe six to eight guys. They, they might think that two or three of them will be there when they're there. Um and, and that's kind of the whole purpose is going ahead and making those decisions that you're going to have, what is it, 12, 15 minutes to make once once your pick comes. 
Yeah, look, and look, they've got to do several mock drafts because, as we know, um, the, the mock, no mock draft is perfect, uh, and things change with almost every pick. So, and, and, and let, let's just say the Chiefs were still picking at 31 this year. So much would change for them before they got uh, to their, you know, to their first round pick. Well, now that they don't have a first round pick, they don't pick until was it 58? Is their yeah, first 58 and 63. Pick? In the second round, so even more will change for uh, for the Chiefs. They they've got to be nimble and flexible and just be ready to go um, based on you know, you know if if they keep that fifty eighth pick, fifty seven players are going to be drafted before they get to choose. So they have got to be nimble on this. Yeah, and I would say you know when when you look at when you're talking about fifty seven guys being gone, they can probably pretty accurately predict about forty five to fifty of those guys which ones are going to be gone and. It's, it's about, you know, trying to predict those last five, five to seven guys. Um, but to your point, I mean, the other thing they need to be nimble with is we know Brett Veach doesn't mind moving around in the draft, both, both moving up and moving back. And so if they've got a guy ranked around, let's say, 40 on their draft board and it gets to 50 and that guy's still left, it still wouldn't surprise me if, if you know, they sacrificed a pick and maybe, you know, like a seventh rounder next year to move up those three or four spots because they think that guy's got value. The same token, if they feel like they've got a pocket of six to eight guys that they think are going to be available at 58 and they're anticipating, hey, these are the six to eight guys that we could take, but, you know, we expect we're going to decide between two or three of these guys and they're all, but they're all gone. I think we could see them move back and try and get back in the third round because they don't have a third round pick right now. Interesting. Hey, remind me, in the last time the Chiefs had uh, two second, second rounders was, was it 2018 or 2019? 2019. Uh, 2019, and the, and the picks were McCole Hardman and Juan Thornhill. <clears throat> Didn't the Chiefs do some moving in that, uh, in, in, in that round? Yeah, they did. They moved up to get McCole Hardman, right, in, in, that, um, in that draft. So, uh, now, was that a draft that they had? I need to – that was also a draft that they did not have a first round pick. So that that's an interesting comparison. Yes. Um, because I, I think the the reason that you'd be a little bit more hesitant to give up picks to move up would be that you don't have a first round pick. You're and, and really even more so, you're down to six total selections. You know, they entered they had eight selections before last week's trade. And it, it's more so the the quantity of selections, I think, that would make them, you know, it's not it's certainly not zero. Uh, percent chance that, that that they make a move up, but you know maybe it, it it moves from fifteen to ten or something like that because you know they don't you don't want to have a draft with only four or five draft picks. No, right, right, right. Um, so you know you you we, we talk about the twenty nineteen draft and how they didn't have a first round pick. That is something that I wanted to talk with you about in the Andy Reid era. This will be the ninth draft of the Andy Reid era for the Chiefs, um, and if. If they do not trade into the first round, they will have, um, let's see, four of the last six years without a first round selection. Yeah, wow. That's you know, that's that's interesting. So they, they you know, in that in that time from 2016 on, of course, Patrick Mahomes first round pick in 2017, and then last year Clyde Edwards-Helaire with the with the number 32 overall pick. So no first round pick in 16, 18, 19, or 21. Um, in Andy Reid's first three years in Kansas City, they they kept their first round pick. Of course, his very first pick was the one one of Eric Fisher 
They got D Ford in the first round in 2014 and Marcus Peters in the first round in 2015. Um, but uh, you know, you, you can't argue with, you know, with the success of the chiefs and there, there, there are things you can argue with and we will, uh, quibble with the chiefs about, but, um, you know, where they are back-to-back Super Bowls, a Super Bowl championship, uh, and not having a first round pick in four of the last six years seems to have worked out well for them. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because I will say they are getting to a point where they have higher dollar players than they did when they first didn't have those. I mean, when they, when they forego their, their first round picks and what was it? six. I guess and 18 they didn't have the yeah. they didn't have the high you know they they acquired Frank Clark with one of those trades and gave him a lot of money now Chris Jones is, is making over 20 a year you know Patrick Mahomes is going to be making over 30 a year and then over 40 a year so what I'm saying is they are getting to a point where this this cheaper talent where you've got a guy locked in for four to five years is going to become more important than it than it is now or than it has been those past you know what you say four out of six years and I, I do wonder if there's going to be a more of an emphasis to to acquire the, the cheaper talent because of that. Well, that's definitely important. I mean, if you're going to maintain a uh, you know a, a playoff caliber team on a, on a consistent basis, you have to have a mix of the cheaper talent. There's no there's no doubt about that. Look, the New England Patriots went two decades with that philosophy, right? Um, moving on higher priced, potentially higher priced veterans. You know, guys that were in there, you know, about to get their second contract and then, you know, supplementing it with the draft. So, um, okay, so that was so those are the first round picks and the Chiefs are not in the first round. So I'm I'm even more interested in the second round picks in the in the Andy Reid era of the Chiefs. They didn't have one in 2013 because of the Alex Smith. Uh, that was uh, they went to, that went to the uh, the 49ers and the Alex Smith trade. They didn't have one in 2014. So in 25, starting in 2015, these are their second round selections. 2015, Mitch Morris, useful player, yeah, uh, yeah. center. Uh, 2016, Chris Jones, terrific Decent player, pick. great, great. Pick. <laughs> yep. 2017, Tano Passanio, no longer with the club. 2018, Breland Speaks, no longer with the club. 2019, as we said, McCole Hardman and Juan Thornhill, and then 2020, Willie Gay Jr., who. Jury obviously, jury is still out on on Willie Gay. I think the consensus of opinion is um, there's a guy that really uh, was affected by the pandemic and the lack of preparation time in in you know June, July, August. But everybody's still waiting to see what he's he's going to be about. So when you add up when you add up the first and second round picks, this is the stat I came up with. In the last three drafts, 2018, 2019, and 2020, the Chiefs have gotten three primary starters out of those three drafts. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Juan Thornhill, and Derek Noddy. Now, not counting um, um, uh, cornerback uh, Sneed this yeah. year, who had a you know, who, who was terrific and will you know would have been a starter if he wasn't hurt, right? For but you have to start half the games to be on the on this list, that's not a that's not a great yield from your first, you know, from your first three rounds over the last three years. Or yes, I'm sorry, not three rounds, but entire drafts over the last three years, 2018, 2019, 2020. The Chiefs just with three starters from a business standpoint, as you mentioned, they've got to be more productive there. Yeah, and that's what's that's what's going to kind of be coming at them uh, eventually. I mean, they, they they've they've got enough talent around around Patrick Mahomes right now to get away with that. 
and they've done a really good job of retaining their talent. It is, you know, the, the one other factor in this is the Chiefs obviously do pick late in all those years you're mentioning. So it's it's more difficult to, to acquire a guy you hit on late in the second round than it would be when you're picking 35, 36. Um, but uh, I will say that that second round list that you listed, Blair, is a pretty good crop. I mean, obviously, Breland Speaks was a bust. I think they wanted, of course, more from Tano Passanio. Um, I think Willie Gay is still going to be a starter eventually. Um, you know, McCole Hartman's been a contributor. I, I think that they would like to have more out of McCole Hartman. We've talked about the fact that this is a big year for him. Um, but I still think, you know, when guys who are, are, who are taken late in those drafts, I'd like to, to look at the back end of those to see what kind of contributions they've gotten fully from those guys. Um, sometimes they take a little bit longer to develop. You know, they're not they're not starters right off the bat in year one. And like I said, I, I think Snead's going to be a starter this year. Um, Willie Gay, I think, will eventually be a starter. If not this year, then I, I, I think by at least the, the back half of this year, we're going to talk about Willie Gay as a starting linebacker. Um, but, you know, it goes back to the point we've been making. It, it's just going to become every year more and more important that they hit on these picks because they've got a lot of high-priced veterans. And it's either going to be, you know, uh, acquiring two or three lower-cost veterans or it's going to be hitting on your draft picks. Well, and, and those three drafts also produced a lot of good special teams players. Armani Watts, Dorian O'Daniel, uh, you know, Rashad Fenton was was has been a contributor. They have they've gotten contributors, but um, I, I just think there needs to be for the for the economic future of this team, there there just needs to be more production from from the draft. So let's get to a couple questions. Kyle Coffee weighs in. I uh, hope all is well. Tell me why I tell me why I feel like the Chiefs are going to have a boring draft this weekend. That being said, they need to hit on almost all the picks that they have. That's what we were talking about. Boring draft, Sam. <laughs> yeah, maybe no no headliner. They're not. You know, the look at the storylines nationally going into the draft. It's the quarterbacks, right? And who's you know who are the 49ers going to take at three? What are the Patriots going to do about their quarterback? Those are the sort of the national headlines. Chiefs are not part of the national headlines, and I, that's not a bad. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, I was going to say, when, you're, when you've got a boring draft, it usually means you had a pretty good year the year before. And I don't think any any Chiefs fan probably had an issue with them sacrificing their first-round pick to get, a, to get a left tackle because everyone's predicting they're going to take a left tackle. And you might as well get one that's got some NFL film and, and it's got so, a little bit more certainty than, than a guy you're picking out of the draft. Um, but, but I don't know. There, there, there's, there's some interesting storylines, I still think, in the potential second round. Um, you know, I, I guess I've got one final half mock draft coming out in the morning um, with a couple second round picks. And I, I think a couple of the guys could make for intriguing storylines. I One guy I really like is uh, Jabril Cox uh, from LSU, North Dakota State. And he's a Raytown South kid. So for us in the media, right. that would not be a boring pick. Um, I, I think he covers really well uh, for a linebacker. And you know, I think there's some people that thought, well, hey, they got Willie Gay last year because they thought he could cover. So why get a, a guy that already fills a skill that you think you've already got a guy that can do? And that's just not the way that they draft. The Chiefs don't say we've got a guy that can do this. So we're not going to get another guy that can do this. That's just not the way they operate. So I think if Jabril Cox is sitting there, especially at that second, that, that, that 63rd overall pick. I think that they would be interested in him. And like I said, that, that certainly wouldn't, wouldn't qualify as boring to us in the media. Well, that would be a, ter I, you know, I, I would like that pick. He had a terrific career at North Dakota state transfers to LSU as a grad student. Mm -hmm. And you think, you think, okay, you know, now, now he's going to find out what real college football is about. 
ha, ha, ha. He had a really productive year uh, for an LSU team that, listen, was mediocre, couldn't de de defend its national championship, and but but still was productive. And he'll be he'll be an NFL player. I like your thinking. I listen. I I think the Chiefs. Evolve, we read about all the position needs, right? We we look at rush end and we look at wide receiver. Uh, we look at cornerback for some. I think that linebacker position might come off the board early for the Chiefs and one of the in, in, in that first day on Friday for the Chiefs. Yeah, it's it's um, one of those Blair that that they specifically mentioned at the onset of free agency that they were going to try and get one and they haven't been attached to any names in the linebacker position. So I just I know Brett Veach said it was a little bit of a thinner class for linebackers than it has been in past years, but um, if you identify something as a need and you're not interested in any of the free agents available, it tells me that you're planning on addressing this at some point in the draft. Right. Another another possibility at that position there is somebody that I think uh, Herbie Teope had in his mock draft when the Chiefs were still in the first round, and that's that the Collins out of uh, Tulsa. This is Zavin Collins yeah. out, of, out of Tulsa as a possibility. Um, and the other the other reason I think about it is that was that position. We talk about the. Uh, the, the pass rush, how it killed the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Well, one of the reasons that was as effective as it was is because those Tampa Bay linebackers were so good and so active and had the Chiefs covered so well. That, That's a good uh, point. Uh, so I, I, I would not be surprised uh, if we saw a linebacker come off the board uh, if if one is uh, one that Chiefs like is available on, on Friday. So um, let's, uh, uh, so let's talk about those positions of need. Do you do you see the Chiefs coming out of this draft with a day one starter for next season? Um, you know what was it, what you know Brett Veach said on Friday that they had identified sixteen to seventeen players in the entire draft who could come in and start right away, and that number surprised me. You know, I, I thought going into a draft, you you try to get your first round pick to start right away, and they only had identified sixteen to seventeen guys. Um, you could argue they got a starter out of this draft already, you know, when they trade a first round pick for, for Orlando Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know that uh, – I, I think they'll draft a position where the guy will play, but I don't know if he's going to be a 16-game starter. You know, if they get a wide receiver, for example, that guy's going to play. The same way we're not calling McCole Hardman a starter, he plays plenty. I don't know that they're going to I, – I could see them taking a wide receiver too in that spot. And I don't know that he's going to come in and start week one, but he's not going to be a guy who who doesn't see the field. Right. Uh, Jermaine Grigsby is with us after picking Brown at left tackle. Seems like our focus should be linebackers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I, I absolutely do th think that as well. Well, look who's joined us. Uh, Sam. Hey, Sam, how you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. good. How are you? Uh, we are talking NFL draft. Uh, we, heck yeah, we got uh, we got Sam McDowell here, and now we have Sam Mellinger, and let's let's continue the conversation uh, with positions of need. Sam, um, Sam McDowell, and I, and, um, and and some of our audience are thinking linebacker is a possibility for the Chiefs, maybe early. Um, over the more popular positions of defensive end, wide receiver, the Chiefs have always talked about best player available, and I, I th that's a smart, you know, that's a smart approach, smart attitude. Uh, but, but, what do you think about the the Chiefs taking a linebacker early? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it depends on what they think of uh, of Willie Gay. 
you know, and that's a guy that we talked about. It seems like week after week during last season, it's like, this isn't the game. <laughs> Willie Gay's going to play a lot. Um, but you know, if, if he could provide some speed there, um, then I think that they can look, if, if there's a stud linebacker that they love, you know, go ahead and grab him. But if, if they believe that, you know, shortened off season, you know, all these things really affected him and there's still what they thought, um, in there when they took him in the second round, then maybe that takes some of the pressure off of him. Um, to me, I mean, I know everybody likes to talk about wide receiver, but to me, the, um, the position that you, maybe you guys have talked about this already, I apologize, but, uh, I, I think they need some defensive backs. I think they need some corners, um, especially, you know, just to, to get some depth. Well, Jerry Seeds, uh, you know, showed a, a ton of potential, um, and not just that production too. Uh, but I, I still think that they might be a little bit light there. Um, and, and the other thing, I mean, that's just a position you can never have enough of those guys. Right. But, um, that, that's a position that I, I, I might look for them to, uh, to target. Okay. As well. Peter Alden asks, how confident are you that, uh, that Austin Blythe will be the starting center week one Creed Humphrey, uh, Creed Humphrey could be a target at 58 Creed Humphrey, of course, the center at Oklahoma this past year. Sam McDowell, I, I think Austin Blythe is their starter. At yeah, he is. But, um, you know, when you look at their offensive line, for example, I feel like that they, they've they made the overhaul that they were intending to make going into the offseason. But a lot of these guys are on one-year deals. You know, Mike, Mike Rimmers is on a one-year deal. Austin Blythe is on a one-year deal. Kyle Long's on a one-year deal. Technically, Orlando Brown's in the last year of his contract. So is LDT. And so I, I absolutely think they're going to address the offensive line at some point. Whether or not that's early or not, like we've been talking about, I think that they're going to – go into this draft saying we've got a pocket of so many guys that we think could be available and they're going to draft the whatever they is the highest guy on their board. And if that's an offensive lineman, so be it. But I, I, though I, if they get through the six picks without an offensive lineman, that would really surprise me. There's probably three positions that I think that they're absolutely going to get somebody at some point and it's wide receiver, offensive line, and a defensive back. I think at some point in the draft, even though, you know, cornerback, like Sam mentioned, it's a, it's a position you can't have enough of. I feel like they're okay there right now. So maybe it's not their second round pick, but you know, we, we saw them take Legereus Sneed and Bo Peak Keys late last year. I think you could see a pick like that with cornerback at some point. They haven't, they haven't gone offensive line in, in abundance in previous drafts. Have they? It's like every other year there's an offensive lineman. There's Nick Allegretti two years ago, Khalil McKenzie a couple years before that. Mitch Morris, of course. Who am I missing um, from, you know, in, in the Chiefs draft offensive line? They just, you know, they, they just haven't gone there in, in the draft. They go late. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll draft guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, um, you know, some years. But um, I, I do, I guess I'm maybe parroting a little bit what Sam just said, but uh, they could use some depth, you know, just not necessarily. One thing the Chiefs do well, and this is a luxury that good teams have, um, but they, they they tend to draft a year ahead of need, you know. And so you you get the guy in, you get him in your system, you see how much you can trust him, you you get him better, and all those things, and then and then he can play going forward. And and especially you know interior of the line, um, you know they don't know like Sam just mentioned the LDT contract situation. Um, there's some hopes for Kyle Long, but he was out of football. You never know, you know. I mean that. Get, get those guys in the middle of the line and um, get them in your system for a year. And maybe you've got something, you know, for the 22 season. Lego Mayego uh, suggests offensive tackle Josh Ball from Marshall. That's, that's a new name for me. I, I hadn't, um, I haven't been looking uh, 
there for for the offensive line. He also uh, asks about needing an edge rusher opposite Frank Clark. Um, you know, Taco Charlton's not the guy, is he? I mean, that's, no. they they do need an edge rusher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I think that the way they've they've made up their defensive line, adding Jaron Reed, mm -hmm. that we're going to see more Chris Jones on defensive end playing opposite Frank Clark than we did last year. But they, they still need a guy there, especially a first and second round guy or first and second down guy. Because um, Taco Charlton's a, a nice guy to throw on there in passing down situations. But I, I, like I said, that, that would be one of the positions I, I think they're going to get at some point during the draft. That makes Chris Jones better, too, um, you know, because he, he can play on the edge and that's fine. I know he loves to do it. Uh, but, you know, when he's in the middle, I think that's when he's at his most disrupted. And and the other thing about edge rush is, um, I know I just made the point about drafting a year ahead of need. Um, Frank Clark, they, they can save $14 million on Frank Clark after this season. So, you know, th that's something to keep in mind too. It'd be nice to have, uh, you know, kind of what they thought Passigno was going to be, uh, you know, a development edge rusher. Uh, it'd be nice to have that for next year as well. Chris Jones, of course, set uh, set an NFL record. Was it three, four years ago? Playing on the outside with sacks and eleven, I think it was eleven straight final eleven games of the of the regular season. So yeah, you can uh, look. He'll he'll play where he's asked to play. And you're right, Sam. He is disruptive in the middle. I just love seeing him come off the edge. And uh, um, Paul Chamberlain asks, how confident should we be in Lucas Niang? I, Interesting name, and before um, you know, before we knew about Orlando Brown Jr., that was the guy I was thinking. Are they really going to go there? Are they going to put a you know a guy who's never played an NFL snap at left tackle to protect Patrick Mahomes? But uh, we've heard nothing but good things about Lucas Niang, haven't we? I mean, I, I think Lucas Niang and Mike Rimmers are going to be in a camp battle for the right tackle job. Um, you know, I still go back to the the funny story that Brett Veach told about. Patrick Mahomes the week of the Super Bowl about he was such a thoughtful guy because the week of the Super Bowl he was like hey how's Niang doing you know because he was an opt-out and the reaction for me was oh my god I mean how bad does the offensive line look this week if he's worried about a guy who opted out for the season but um that, I, it's a guy they've been talking about enough to where you feel like they feel pretty good about him um and like I said I, I think he's gonna battle for the right tackle job but you know, because of the other moves they've made, he's not a guy that they're dependent on, you know, if, if he doesn't pan out. Because, I mean, he's never played a down of NFL football, and he hasn't played any football for a full year and a half now. So it, it, it's a lot to ask for a guy like that. It'd be The offensive line to start a rookie, it's already a lot to ask, but especially one that hasn't played football for a year. That's the, They needed Remmers there. Um, I, I feel like if, if Remmers – you know, like Sam just said, it's going to be a battle between Yang and, and Remmers. And if it was just Niang, yeah, there's no safety net there. You know what I mean? And that's a lot of faith. But like, you don't know what the guy's been doing. I'm sure he's sending videos in of, of you know, in, in a sort of a written plan of, you know, his workouts and stuff like that. But I don't know, you know, like that, 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 that is a big leap of faith. And, and maybe he's doing it, you know, maybe he is on all his P's and his Q's and, and all that stuff. But it's good to have it, you know, worst case scenario, Mike Remmers can be a steady right tackle. And I know like people, when they hear Remmers, they think of the yeah. Super Bowl. Left tackle is a different deal. And and I think, and, and that was the, what, the third or fourth position um, right. that Remmers has been playing. That at Right tackle, he was, he was fine. He wasn't Mitch Schwartz. 
you know, and they're going to miss Mitch Schwartz a lot. But, uh, you know, he, he's he's an adult and, and he can do the job. And I think Niang probably has a little bit more upside because they, they were talking about him at tackle as soon as they drafted. You know, the plan was probably guard is a rookie and then they're going to kick him out to tackle. Well, maybe they missed the guard. Part yeah, to, to your point, Sam, we saw some of those workout videos that I, I think it was this trainer that was posting and. It's funny, like day or two before they traded for Orlando Brown, he's working out at left tackle. It was very clearly that his stance was left tackle. So um, I, I think that he anticipated that he was going to be in the mix for a left tackle. I think the rest of us all thought they would get another body there at some point before this offseason was done. Uh, Brian LeBurge asks, do we think there'll be a surprise player at 58, kind of like how DK Metcalf fell a couple of years ago? I'm wondering about the North Carolina wide receiver. Sam McDowell, yeah. um, interesting guy to me. Yeah, he's a guy I've had a lot on a lot of my list because I think he's he's a guy who would fit here. Um, you know, he averaged I think twenty point six yards per catch this year, and maybe twenty point seven last year, something like that. And it goes back to what I said earlier, Blair, the fact that you know you might say, oh, well, they have Tyree Kill, they've got McCole Hardman, but this is a team that looks to stack onto the talent it already has. It, it doesn't say we've already got a guy that can do that. We're not going to get another guy that can do that. I just I, I just think he would be a good fit here. I mean, he runs vertical routes really well. Um, when you watch his highlights, he's got just like some hesitation in his moves that I think would benefit McCall Hardman if he had those types of hes hesitations. So I, I think he would be a really interesting fit. I don't think he's going to get to 58, though. I think he's going to go somewhere early, mid-second round. Diami Brown, is that my pronouncing that right? Yeah, Diami uh, Brown, name? yeah. Okay, yeah, from the wide receiver from North Carolina. Um, Samuel Williams asked, should the Chiefs trade down to get a better spread between rounds or will they stay with two second-round picks? Uh, we mentioned this earlier. The the, the two second-round picks worked out well for them uh, a couple years ago with McCole Hardman and Juan Thornhill. So um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Is, is it important <laughs> – how about how about Brett Veach in his press conference on Friday? We've referred to it a couple of times in, in podcasts and and uh, these shows already. You know, this was you know an hour and a half before the Orlando Brown news broke, and Brett Veach is talking to the media, knowing that the Chiefs have traded for Orlando Brown, but couldn't say anything about it. But he kept talking about that sweet spot, yeah, right? The, the round, uh, yeah. <laughs> that second round sweet spot. That's uh, uh, you know late in the second round, and that's where the Chiefs have. A, just happened to have a couple of picks. So I just thought, yeah, that's, I, I guess, I guess uh, Brett knew what he was talking about. So, so um, Chris Lamar asked, how important is a tight end in this draft? I think it's important. And I would not be surprised if the chiefs used one of their picks on a tight end. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, th that's a position that they've, they've wanted some depth at, uh, you know, kind of for a while, but, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I keep thinking that, um, guys that you add on offense, like skill position guys, um, by nature are going to take away from what you have now. And sometimes that can be complimentary, complimentary with an E. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I, I want Travis Kelsey with my tight end snaps, you know, I guess it, it, it depends on who you get right. Um, as always, but, um, you know, I I don't want people taking away snaps from from the guys they already have. Okay, hey, okay, hey, yeah. let's let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with some more Chiefs talk. The Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare. 
the University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind, to win. The University of Kansas Health System, official healthcare provider of the Royals. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back with Sam Ellinger and Sam McDowell. And Melly, I don't think we've had a chance to talk to you since the Orlando Brown trade because of when it happened. Um, listen, uh, we had a podcast with uh, with Sam McDowell and Herbie Teope on on Monday and the headline on it was something like, you know, of course we're going to think it's a good trade. Um, why, why, why could it not possibly be a good trade ultimately? I mean, it just seems like the Chiefs did, you know, they addressed the biggest need for sure. But let's look beyond that and see what, uh, did, did they overspend? Did, did, you know, the Ravens parting with a, with a starter here? Um, uh, let, let's, let's try to argue the other side of the Orlando Brown trade. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think that that part is is pretty straightforward, and it's that um, you know you've got what is it six games I think uh, of tape on Orlando Brown as a left tackle, which isn't a ton. Um, you know, I get that he gave up uh, zero sacks and zero hits, which is um, kind of what you want, right? Um, but it's not a ton of tape. Um, the Ravens, I mean. Am I exaggerating if I say the Ravens might be the most different offense than the Chiefs? Um, if that's an exaggeration, maybe there's there's a handful. But uh, you know, blocking for Lamar Jackson is a lot different than uh, you know, and and all those running backs is a lot different than blocking in, in Andy Reid's scheme. You get him for three point three ish million dollars this season, but then you got to pay him immediately. Uh, you know, you can't keep. You know, the, the highest they picked since they took Patrick Mahomes, the highest they picked is thirty two. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a hard way to go about, about your business. So, I mean, I think those are, those are the arguments that would be against it. You don't actually know how good he's going to be as a left tackle and, and you're giving up, you're continuing this pattern of giving up your first round picks. Um, you know, that said, if you put the, the draft capital into these calculators, the, the, the chiefs are basically using a mid second round pick on Orlando Brown. And I get you know, you rookie contracts, that's how you build a team. A lot of times is you get guys like surplus value. Right. Um, but my God, like if there's ever a time to spend a little bit more on a player uh, to fit a need, isn't it when your alternative at left tackle appears to be Lucas Niang protecting Patrick Mahomes's literal back? <laughs> I think you'd rather have a six, eight, 350 pound guy. Um, who's done it in the NFL. And and so that that to me, if that's a mid-second round pick, because um, I looked at the trade at first and I didn't notice the second round pick coming back. All I saw was Orlando Brown on one side and the picks going out. And I was like, ooh, that's a lot. But, you know, okay, I get it. You know, you need, you need a guy and maybe you got a little desperate. But then once you get that second round pick coming back, 
to me, that pushed it over the top for me that because um, you can still you can still get good players um, at, at that at that part of the draft. So I, I think, look, the Ravens got rid of a player that didn't want to be there and they were going to lose next year anyway. Um, so I get their side of it. But I just think it's a tremendous deal. This is so much better than the Frank Clark deal. Um, it, they, it's not he did better. play 13 games at left tackle last year. I agree with everything you said, but it was like over 800 13. snaps, including the two playoff games. But you're right. Yeah, and it was it was it was three hundred and some pass snaps, I, I believe, uh, and and it was zero sacks, zero hits. So he he can play the position. You'd rather have like five years of tape or whatever. That but. is the interesting thing, though, is Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are very different in the pocket. Um, now uh, the number of pass snaps is interesting because I think Lamar Jackson threw the ball four hundred times last year, and Patrick Mahomes threw it about six hundred times. So getting a sack-free game for Lamar Jackson is different than Patrick Mahomes. On the other hand, there is a little bit of a misconception that Lamar Jackson gets sacked less. He actually gets sacked more than Patrick Mahomes on those fewer dropbacks because, you know, the guys that can evade pressure tend to try to evade pressure more often. So a lot of times those snaps are longer. He's got to protect for longer. So I, I, the transition, what I'm saying is from uh, from Lamar Jackson to maybe some of these plays that we see Patrick Mahomes trying to create more time. I think he's going to be a little bit smoother on that transition than maybe somebody else would. He's also a really good run blocker too. I mean, we, we talk about, um, you know, the gimmicks and Sam, you did a great job of writing about this last season and there's a reason that they're doing it right because they work and they're better in the alternative. And, and I wonder now, They'll still have that stuff, and they should, because that's a strength is stretching horizontally, um, and it's easier to attack any any particular part if you're sideline to sideline. But um, you know, th now they've got a much more credible threat when you've got uh, if it is at left guard with Tooney, um, you know, him and Orlando Brown next to each other. That's that's a pretty good spot to send your running back if, if you need a half a yard, um, you know, on third or fourth down. The other uh, operative stat for me uh, to speak to the importance of the position and why you don't want either Lucas Niang or the fifth or sixth or seventh best offensive tackle available in the draft is the Chiefs were 25 and one when Eric Fisher started. And what were they, something like six and five or six and four when he didn't? So that's how important that position is to the Chiefs and to, um, and to, and to Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, yeah, and Blair, he, so Brian, oh, Brian, well, I was just going to say, he, gra he gonna... grades pretty similarly to Eric Fisher. You know, when you look at some of the guys that know offensive line play better than we do, and if the Chiefs could go get Eric Fisher in the second round, they would take him in a heartbeat because of those stats you just mentioned. So, you know, is he an improvement over Eric Fisher? I don't know. We'll see. He's he's, he's just going to turn 25 next week. Um, but is he an improvement over the other options? Absolutely. Okay. That's the part, too, that another part that, that puts it over the top for me is that what you just mentioned, he's five or six years younger than Eric Fisher. Um, so this is a guy get, you, you have to pay him next year, but you can kind of grow with this guy. And, uh, you know, there's there, it's not logical to believe that a guy like that is done improving at 24 years old. Right. Like that, that this is as good as he's going to yeah, get. Exactly. You've got um, especially man like listen to him that press conference the other day. I mean, he he's, seems like a sharp guy, committed guy, focused guy, ambitious guy. Um, you know, it's a guy that they can grow with for sure. Cause the, the, the Fisher and Schwartz thing was great, but they're in their thirties, you know, and you knew that you'd have to do you, you, you would have wanted a few more years with those guys. Cause they they are good players, especially Schwartz. 
Um, but you know, getting younger is, is a pretty good deal as well. And, and one other thing, I'm sorry to sort of ball hog here, but, um, the cost isn't that much, like, you know, what they were going to pay Fisher and Schwartz in 21, um, is actually more than, um, what they'll pay, uh, even if they end up paying, uh, Orlando Brown, 18, $20 million, it's still going to be less if you take the tackles together, you know, um, Niang and, and Brown together, it's still cheaper um and, yeah, and I mean, we saw eric fisher and make those steps too i mean if you just judged him based on his first two years in the nfl it wouldn't have been pretty um the last point on orlando brown is whether or not he's an upgrade over fisher we upgraded in the media uh, and that's not a knock on eric fisher but that orlando brown press conference you're like that's a guy i would seek out in the locker room pretty regularly well let's see why that is true beth if you got it teed up let's hear a little bit from from orlando brown jr First off, I just want to say uh, thank you to the Hunt family and, you know, the Chiefs organization for, for making this happen. I also want to thank the Baltimore Ravens organization and Mr. Bashadi and Ozzy and DaCosta, Coach Hart for all uh, helping this happen. Uh, I'm, I'm so appreciative. I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed to, to have an opportunity to play left tackle in this league, this league which is a dream that, uh, you know, I set for myself as a young kid. And to have an opportunity to play here for this organization is just so special, uh, given the history of everything that, that's going on here, everything that they've done lately, Coach Reed and his history, uh, Pat and everything that he's done and is going to do. Um, it's just it's so special, and I'm so blessed and thankful to be here and part of this organization. Let's go first to Herbie Teope with the Kansas City Star. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Orlando, congratulations and welcome to the Kansas City. We've got two quick questions just for you. Uh, where were you and what was your reaction when you heard the trade went down that you were coming here? And the second one will follow after that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, it's crazy. I was in uh, Norman, Oklahoma at the, in the Everest uh, in the indoor facility taking passes when my agent gave me a call. And, uh, you know, he was just like, are you, you ready to be a chief? And honestly, I was a little bit overwhelmed and. Uh, it was it was a, a little hard for me to wrap my mind around, you know, getting traded to a situation like this, which I think is is the best in the league, uh, you know, going from what I came from. And uh, man, it was it was just it, like I said, it was just so overwhelming emotionally. And uh, I'm just I'm so happy. I'm so blessed to be here. And my final question is obviously a lot of excitement from your your now new teammates. How many have you heard from, especially Patrick Mahomes? Have you heard from Mahomes? Yes, I have. Yeah, I have. I've, I've heard from him. Uh, I've heard from a few uh, past teammates in Baltimore as well, um, you know, and everyone has nothing but great things to say about this organization, to say about the city of Kansas City. Uh, I'm just like I said, I'm just super excited to be here. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Orlando, just what is your initial thoughts of the Chiefs offense and then um, secondly, there's been some discussions about maybe you playing out the final year of your rookie contract. Just how optimistic are you about uh, playing beyond uh, just this next season in Kansas City? Yeah, I want to be here for a long time. Uh, I do. And, you know, I'm going to make sure I take care of my part. And that's uh, handling my business on the football field. As far as the offensive scheme here, I've watched a lot of film on Kansas City, just like I'm sure every other NFL team or NFL player has. Uh, I know a little bit about the system. Uh, I, I look forward to learning a lot more, but I'm just excited, man, to to be to be in the system, to had an opportunity to really showcase my talents. Um, you know, they do a lot of different things here than than we did in Baltimore, just schematically. Uh, so, man, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. 
Okay, he went on for about 15 minutes. It was a it was a great Q and A session with with Orlando Brown. Thought you guys might want to hear what uh, what we heard. This was back on on Friday. So Monday. All right. Uh, was it Monday? Yeah. Uh, yeah the, I, the news happened Friday. Brett Veach, Brett Veach was was Friday. Orlando Brown was on Monday. Yeah, I will say though, one of the reasons that I came on this show, even though I was sick, was you promised me that Herbie would not be here, and then we get a Herbie appearance 40 minutes in. <laughs> Herbie, Herbie uh, uh, had uh, had to take care of some personal business this morning, but somehow, somehow, Sam McDowell and Sam Mellinger, you have uh, managed to uh, carry carry the load as you often do. So, um, all right, the NFL draft on Thursday in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland becomes the second city after Las Vegas last, last year to have to host the, the NFL draft in a pandemic, which means it'll be pretty limited. And we're hoping, I guess, by 2023, those limitations will not be in effect because that's when it's coming to Kansas City with Union Station, I believe, as the, you know, as the cent central uh, uh, place for the draft where the you know where the studio will be and where the where the, maybe the the fans on um the liberty memorial i i don't i guess i don't know exactly where it is or maybe that hasn't been determined yet but it is coming to kansas city and i know union station is going to be a big part of it um so it'd be kind of cool um won't it yeah the, the best part is like the chiefs will not have a first round pick <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll trade out of the first two days then <laughs> Yeah, they'll trade it for a corner or something. By, First pick will come from Whiteman Air Force Base. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But also, uh, I, I do like not to get off topic here, but um, Sam, you are a hero grinding through this with your like sort of stuffed nose, like stuffy <laughs> nose or whatever. You're. Thanks yeah, for your service. For all those people, I, I think I tweeted this out, but for all those people that like have always wondered, could my voice get any deeper? The answer is yes, it does when I'm sick. <laughs> And you get a virus that'll that'll deepen the voice. So, hey, um, look, I hey, really appreciate you guys joining us today. Um, Sam McDowell's story on the Chiefs, how the Chiefs use mock drafts, is on KansasCity.com. Really good read. Sam Mellinger, um, Mellinger minutes for your eyes is already posted on <laughs> KansasCity.com. Mellinger minutes for your ears is coming up on Friday. Um, it, it's great stuff. Uh, listen to the podcast and absolutely read the Mellinger Minutes for your ears. So want to thank the University of Kansas Health System. Want to thank Beth Welch, our producer, and continue following the coverage of the Chiefs, the NFL drafts, and all sports related to Kansas City in the Kansas City Star and on KansasCity.com. Hey, and also, listen, this, this show uh, appears weekly now on Tuesdays at 10 a.m., and we talk Royals with Sam Mellinger, Lynn Worthy, and Vahe Gregorian and others. So join us on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Talking Royal. So thank you very much. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger and Sam McDowell for Talking Chiefs and the NFL Draft. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many more stories that appear on the website and certainly appear first on the website. 
After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. What a great time to subscribe. The Royals are still in first place in the AL Central. Our local colleges are always making news. Looks like KU is closing in on naming a new head football coach. And as this week proves, it is never not Chiefs season. So how do you get this deal? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. Love that E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's a lot of dots and dashes. If you're having any trouble hunting down any of those offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.